Tonight's reading is Ruth, chapter 1, 1 to 22, and it can be found on page 267. <coughs> Naomi loses her husband and sons. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. This man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to re return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Who, uh, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Then they arrived in Bethlehem. The whole town, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty was ma has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley har harvest was beginning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Elena. Well read. 
Good evening, everybody. Um, we're going to put a question up on the screen. What is God doing in my life? What is God doing in my life? And it's going to be really helpful if you have Ruth chapter 1 in front of you. I'm going to try and uh, get it in front of me. Um, but also be ready to flick to Ruth chapter 4 uh, at some point. Um, so Ruth chapter 1 and Ruth chapter 4. What is God doing in my life? Um, it's a question that I think we all ask at some point. We might particularly ask it in times of tragedy or um, times of need or times of uncertainty, times of tragedy, like when someone we love dearly departs this life, times of need, like when we're in financial trouble, or times of uncertainty, when we just don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know who we'll marry, or we don't know where we'll go, or we don't know... Um, just what's around the corner? We ask this question. Um, personally, I don't find it particularly hard to trust that the Lord has a plan for human history as a whole. I'm on board with the idea that God is working out all things for good in the universe, even turning great acts of evil into great good in the end. But actually, personally, I find it harder to trust that the Lord has a good plan for the small scale, the day-to-day, -day, the ordinary realities of my own life. Does he have a perfect purpose behind the day-to-day -day joys and sorrows that we all experience? One of the beauties of the story of Ruth is that it's intimately small-scale, real, and relatable. This story provides wonderfully, a wonderfully personal answer to this question, what is God doing in my life. So if you are in a time of tragedy, a time of need, a, a time of uncertainty, or if you want to be prepared for a time like that, this book is for you. I'm going to retell most of the story, but um, as we don't want to be here all night, I'm going to anchor the narrative in two conversations between Naomi and the women of Bethlehem. If you know how this goes, you might be expecting Ruth to take center stage. But I find Naomi to be the most relatable character, actually. She's so compelling, not because she always gets everything right, but because she's, she's real, she's relatable. She goes through a lot and doesn't hold back what she thinks about it. I think the way this book starts and ends with her indicates that she's meant to be the main human protagonist. So, two conversations between Naomi and the women of Bethlehem. One of them's from chapter one, the other one's from chapter four. And if we click onto the next slide, here's how those two conversations go. Naomi tells the women, God has taken everything. And later on, the women of Bethlehem say to Naomi, God has given so much more. So, let's get into the first conversation. Naomi, with a hollow stare across her face, meets the women of Bethlehem. And then she says in the flat tone of one who is just utterly emotionally drained, those words, God has taken everything. Why does she say that? 
Well, this story happened in the days when the judges ruled. It was a dangerous, unstable time when um, there was no king and sin was just spiraling down out of control. And Naomi's hometown was Bethlehem. The name of that town means house of bread, but at this point there was no bread to be found anywhere. There was a famine in the land. So Naomi, her husband Elimelech, and her two sons, Marlon and Kilian, they were driven to make a desperate decision. They left Bethlehem, they left Israel, and they went to live in the land of their enemies. This meant leaving friends and wider family. This meant turning away from the support network that they'd spent years building up. But more than that, this meant turning their back on their God. I'm sure they didn't make such a decision lightly. But with heavy hearts, they walked away from the hope that God would provide and protect in the promised land. However... In this foreign land called Moab, Naomi would face far worse than hunger. Before before long, tragedy struck. Her husband died. They'd made plans together. They'd meant to start this new life together. They were meant to face these hard times together, but suddenly he wasn't there anymore. And Naomi was left to look after her two sons alone. Ten years went by, um, and according to verse 1, they were only meant to go to Moab for a, for a while, but maybe life started to settle down a bit. Marlon Kilion certainly settled down. They married local girls. However, tragedy struck again. Naomi's two sons both died, and more than ever before, she was completely alone. Without her husband, without her sons, she had to shoulder the responsibility of looking after her two daughters-in-laws, daughters-in-law, completely alone. And I really, I really hope that you don't know what that feels like. Um, but if you do, I'm sorry. You'll know or have a sense of just how crushed Naomi must have been. Naomi had been living in Moab for over 10 years. But finally, she heard that the famine in Israel was over. Um, verse 6 says she heard that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. So after all that she'd been through, Naomi was turning back. She was going back home. She was going back to Bethlehem. And it's at this point we get the first conversation between Naomi and the women from Bethlehem. They see her coming back down the road after such a long time, and they can barely recognize her. Is this Naomi, they say to themselves? You might imagine the barrage of questions that she might have received. Where have you been? Where is your family? What's happened to your husband? What's happened to you? And it's at this point that with hollow stare and drained tone, she says, God has taken everything. If you look at verses 20 and 21, you'll see Naomi's perspective on what is God is doing in her life, she says, the Lord has made my life very bitter. She says, the Lord has brought me back empty. She says, the Lord has afflicted me. She says, the Almighty has brought misfortune against me. And she's not merely stating just the fact that God is sovereign over the events of her life. This is, this is bitterness. Her name was Naomi, which means sweet. 
but now she changes her name to Mara, bitter. If you asked Naomi at that point what God was doing in her life, she wouldn't pull her punches. God has taken everything. In this time of tragedy, need, and uncertainty, she's reached a conclusion about the character of God. Everything in her life points to the conclusion that he is against her, that he's angry with her, that he won't provide or protect her any longer. And of course, we, we sympathize with Naomi at this point, don't we? We sympathize with her in this point of desperate sadness. We understand why she might come to those conclusions about the Lord. In our times of tragedy, need, and uncertainty, we might have similar thoughts. God is against me. He's angry with me. He's not going to provide or protect me anymore. But as the story unfolds, we discover that all Naomi needs to do is wait. Right now, everything is terrible. Right now, it seems like the Lord is against her. Right now, it it feels like the Lord has taken everything. Right now, it feels like all suffering is pointless. There's no purpose behind any of it. But this is just chapter one. And the wider perspective hasn't been revealed yet. Um, That's a really good thing to remind ourselves when we go through those times of tragedy, need, uncertainty. I'm still in chapter one. The wider perspective hasn't been revealed yet. When you're tempted to make that bitter assessment of what God is doing in your life, you can say those words. I'm still in chapter one. The wider perspective hasn't been revealed yet. And this is quite a nuanced balance to find here. Because some Christians, I think we know, um, feel the need to be relentlessly positive about everything. No matter what's going on, they could find the silver lining in a mushroom cloud. But that's just not real. That's not helpful either. Sometimes the events in your life are genuinely tragic. And it's right to be miserable about death or breakups or uncertainty. It's normal to be utterly emotionally downcast at times. But just wait. Just wait before using your tragedies, needs, and uncertainties to make conclusions about God and what he's doing in your life. Just wait. Even as Naomi is speaking to those women of Bethlehem, there are the smallest hints that the tide has already started to turn. Verse 22, she arrives not alone, but accompanied by a certain Moabite woman. And they just so happen to arrive as the barley harvest begins. Now we're going to hit fast forward, and we're going to flick to chapter 4 and a second conversation between Naomi and the women of Bethlehem. The first conversation was all tragedy and mourning. This one's about joy and thankfulness. And we're going to be looking uh, at verses 13 to 17. Now... The women of Bethlehem rejoice and give thanks with Naomi. They say, God has given you so much more. You see, it's only at the end of the story that God's true intentions are revealed. Only now does it become clear what God has been doing all along. Even when it looked like God was orchestrating events to empty her, what God was actually doing 
was working out his plans to fill her. These women of Bethlehem highlight three things that God has given to Naomi. Here's the first one. God gave her Ruth. Look at verse 15 of chapter 4, just in case you're lost. Um, Your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons. Now, I don't think these women are trying to diminish Naomi's loss of Marlon and Kilion. Um, But they are highlighting just how wonderful her daughter-in-law has been to her in their absence. After the death of her husband and sons, Naomi had been utterly alone in a foreign land. She alone had to shoulder that responsibility of looking after her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And she recognized at that point that she had very little to offer them, being too old to start again herself with a new husband. So as Naomi turned back to return to Israel in search of food, she gave her daughter-in-laws, the, her daughters-in-law the option to stay and start again in Moab. Naomi would return to Bethlehem to face poverty and live out her final years alone. Orpah and Ruth could stay in Moab, free to remarry, free to rebuild among their families. And the first daughter-in-law takes the option. She kissed Naomi goodbye But the second daughter-in-law, Ruth, clung to Naomi. And you might imagine Ruth like wrapping her arms around Naomi's waist. And uh, no matter how hard Naomi tries to wriggle and push and pull her way out, Ruth's grip would not break. Um, Naomi tried to make Ruth see sense. Joining her in Bethlehem would mean poverty. It would mean loneliness. Loneliness. It would mean being a shunned foreigner away from her homeland. So she urged Ruth, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth wonderfully replies in chapter 1, verse 16, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. It's really remarkable loyalty, um, especially given how the relationship often goes between daughters-in-law and mothers-in-law. Ruth's loyalty and, uh, and her noble character were not just mere gestures at that point, though. They carried on through uh, when they returned to Bethlehem together. Chapter 2 begins with Ruth deciding to head to the fields to collect grain. And uh, in verse 7, one of the overseers notices just how hard she's working. Um, He says, She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. And then verse 17 as well. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. She threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ephah. Ruth knew that unless she worked, Naomi would not eat. So she worked from sunrise all the way to sunset, and even then she wasn't finished. Once the sun went down, then she began the back-breaking work of threshing, which involved scattering all the, the barley that she'd collected, stamping it down, and then throwing it up in the air for the wind to separate the husks from the grain. And in the end, she had an ether of it. That's 13 kilograms of grain. 
And um, she's putting me to shame because she had to carry all of that back to town. And my dumbbells at home are only 12.5 kilograms. So um, Ruth is, is really going for it here. No wonder the women of Bethlehem tell Naomi, your daughter-in-law is better than seven sons. God gave Naomi Ruth. But actually, God gave Naomi even more than that. Um, Second thing that God gave, God gave her a guardian redeemer. We're still in that conversation in chapter 4, and notice verse 14. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Now, of course, we don't use the phrase guardian redeemer in everyday life. But in Old Testament Israel, it was a role that God put in place to protect family members who were in need. Um, A guardian redeemer was a close relative to whom extended family members could turn to in times of difficulty. Usually when the family line or possessions were in danger of being lost. And you can read specific examples of that role in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. But broadly speaking... The responsibility of the guardian redeemer was to protect and provide for the family in need. To protect and provide for the family in need. And the first guardian redeemer we meet in this story is Boaz. As it turned out, the field Ruth worked in belonged to Boaz. And while Ruth was doing the back-breaking work of gathering grain, just then, Boaz happened to show up. And it just so happened that he was a guardian redeemer from Naomi's husband's family. And there are several occasions in the book where those kind of phrases, it just so happened, or or something like that, uh, crop up. It's like the writer is deliberately highlighting convenient coincidences where it almost seems like someone is working behind the scenes. So, Boaz found out that this woman working his fields was the foreigner who came back from Moab with Naomi. Now, in that time and culture, that would have put off many people. And in fact, later in the story, another potential guardian redeemer does get put off by the fact that Ruth was a foreigner. But Boaz was far more interested in Ruth's noble character than just her background. So on their first meeting, Boaz said to her, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He's impressed, by the way, that Ruth cared for Naomi. And he showed, her a great, he showed a great concern to protect her, as a guardian redeemer should. He told her to stay with the, woman, the women that worked for him, rather than risking going to another field. Boaz told all his workers to not lay a hand on her. And later on in the story, he continued to protect her, protecting her reputation by not sleeping with her before they were married, and making sure that she could... Um, escape the threshing floor without anyone finding out that she had visited him at night. And as well as protection, he also showed tremendous generosity by providing for her, protecting and providing. 
While she was working at the fields, he made sure that she always had enough to drink. At mealtimes, uh, he always made sure that she ate all she wanted and had some left over. Guys, that's a really good relationship bit of advice. Get in the kitchen and make sure there are leftovers. Really important. Um, Boaz also provided for her on another occasion by loading her up with six measures of barley because he didn't want her to return to her mother-in-law empty-handed. He protected her, he provided for her, and after a risky encounter at the dead of night, he married her. But Boaz is not the guardian redeemer for Naomi. He's not the guardian redeemer that the women in Bethlehem mention in chapter 4, verse 14. And we caught back up really now. Um, We can see verse 13, Boaz and Ruth, they get married, they sleep together, and Ruth, Ruth gives birth to a son. It's this baby boy who will be the guardian redeemer for Naomi. At his birth, the women say, praise to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who's better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Yes, of course, Boaz would have provided for Naomi as well as Ruth. Yes, he would have protected her too. But Boaz was already an older guy. And so, there was the potential that Boaz could die before Naomi did. However, with the birth of his son, Naomi was guaranteed that even in that event, she would have someone to protect and provide for her. After all that she'd been through, Naomi took that child in her arms and any remaining trace of bitterness just ebbed away. The hollow stare was replaced by a beaming smile The um, flat, emotionally drained tone was replaced by laughing and singing songs to this youngster. And as the women of Bethlehem said, her life was renewed. God gave her Ruth. God gave her a guardian redeemer. And yet God still had more to give. God gave her a great family. Look at chapter 4, verse 17. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I'm not entirely sure why the women of Bethlehem had a say in what this child's name was. That doesn't seem fair, um, but it means the servant of God, so they didn't go too far wrong. And more importantly, he was the grandfather of King David, the greatest king Old Testament Israel ever had. What an honor to be part of that family. Um, But of course, it's even better than that because of what we read in Matthew chapter 1. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And then we keep on going a few more generations down the family tree. And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Naomi... What is God doing in your life? Chapter 1, Naomi thought she knew the answer, but she couldn't see the full picture yet. Now she does. Now Naomi is in glory. Now she has the benefit of divine perspective. So let's ask her that same question again. Naomi, what is God doing in your life? 
Here's her answer. We'll put it up on the screen or similar. Um, God was working behind the scenes in every situation to provide, protect, and redeem me. The sovereign Lord gave her Ruth. He gave her a guardian redeemer, and he gave her a place in Jesus' family, and there can be no greater honor than that. This is one of the glories of God's sovereignty. There's actually no tension between his big picture purposes for the universe and his personal plans for our lives. He never compromises one for the sake of the other. In the story of Naomi, what looks like God's small-scale intentions just for one small family are also his great plans for the birth of Christ and the salvation of the world. Our God is both personally and universally sovereign. He's like the conductor of a nine-billion-piece orchestra. Um, The thought of being in that position is just overwhelming, isn't it? All nine billion instruments, all taking their cue from him, each one representing the personal story of someone on this planet, each playing a different harmony to make one big piece of music. And of course, if we listen to any one piece in that orchestra, isolated from the whole, it might sound discordant, it might sound out of place, But one day we will stand in the place of the conductor and we'll hear the piece as he hears it. All nine billion parts harmonizing beautifully to one glorious tune. All his plans are centered on the guardian redeemer, Jesus. That nine billion piece orchestra is playing his tune. We have a guardian redeemer who provides and protects even at great personal cost, even if that great personal cost is dying on a cross. What is God doing in my life? It's a good question that we ask in those times of tragedy, need, and uncertainty. Here's the answer. It's up there. God is working behind the scenes in every situation to provide, protect, and redeem his people. There's a hymn written by a guy called William Cooper who struggled terribly with depression. And in the middle of dark doubts about what God was doing in his life, he wrote these words. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. God is working behind the scenes in every situation to provide, protect, and redeem his people. Whatever you have faced, whatever you are facing, whatever you will face, the Lord will always provide, protect, and redeem you if you are his. And just like Naomi You know, if if you're not yet, you too can be part of Jesus' family. Whatever bitterness you've held on to, whatever undeniable tragedies have happened in your life, they've brought you to this point where you're hearing the offer of redemption. Come to Jesus, and he will provide for you and protect you for all eternity. 
There's an eternal famine of the soul called hell. There's an eternal danger called judgment. But Jesus is a guardian redeemer who protects and provides even at great personal cost. Ask Jesus to welcome you into his family and know life renewed, security and plenty forever. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift before you anyone who's in that place at the moment of, of tragedy, of need, of uncertainty. Father, we lay our, our raw emotions before you, our grief, our sorrow, our pain. But we ask that you'd help us to trust you. Please help us to wait, knowing that your generous, good, providing, protecting, redeeming purposes will be made clear in the end. Father, please help those that are in that space now. Father, thank you so much that you have worked out all our little personal stories and, all the, and the one big story of the universe to bring about redemption. A guardian redeemer, Jesus, who provides and protects throughout all eternity. We praise you for him. In his name we pray. Amen. The musicians are going to come up to the front. Let's just reflect on what we've heard. And in a moment we're going to sing, Guide me, O thou great Redeemer. In verse 1, we ask our Redeemer to provide. In verse 2, we ask our Redeemer to protect. And in verse 3, we ask our Redeemer to welcome us into eternal life. We'll stand as the musicians lead us.